0: Hello, my name is Natalie Saval. welcome to the Stepmom Strong Podcast. This show is for stepmamas or stepmamas-to-be who want some growth-oriented direction and guidance in this often underestimated and complicated role. Each week I'll be playing interviews with a range of experts to give you the best tips, tricks, validation, and solutions so that you can navigate the complex terrain of blended family life with more grace, ease, and joy. Thanks for listening. All right. Hi everyone. Welcome to the Step Mom Strong Empowering Stepmoms Interview Series. Today we have a very special guest that I'm very honored to have with us. Her name is Dr. Sue Johnson. She is an author, clinical psychologist. She's a researcher, professor, popular presenter, and speaker. And she's the leading innovator in the field of couple therapy and adult attachment. Uh, Dr. Sue is the primary developer of uh, an approach called Emotionally Focused Couples and Family Therapy. Um, It's demonstrated its effectiveness in over 30 years of peer-reviewed clinical research. She's the founding director of the International Center for Excellence in Emotionally Focused Therapy and distinguished research professor at Alliant University in San Diego, California, as well as Professor Emeritus emeritus at Clinical Psychology at the University of Ottawa, Canada. She also has several books, including the best-selling book, Hold Me Tight, Seven Conversations for a Lifetime of Love, Um, She's created this book for the general public. It's a self-help version of her groundbreaking research about relationships, how to enhance them, how to repair them, and how to keep them. This bestseller has been adapted and developed into a relationship education and enhancement program. She's also the author of Love Sense, The Revolutionary New Science of Romantic Relationships, and The Practice of Emotionally Focused Couple Therapy, Creating Connection, as well as Emotionally Focused Couple Therapy with Trauma Survivors. She trains counselors in EFT worldwide and consults to the 50 international institutes and affiliated centers who practice EFT. So Dr. Sue has a wealth of wisdom, clearly, and we're really looking forward to diving into some questions and seeing how her approach and all the background that she has can be supportive to the stepmoms that um, that are joining us today. Um, So I'd like to start, Dr. Sue, with just having you explain a little bit about what EFT is and kind of how you started it to begin with
1: yeah okay um well eft came along at a time when uh people were going to therapists in droves saying help me with my relationship but we hadn't really got any much science about what a good relationship looked like and what really went wrong (laughs) so therapists were trying to be helpful and said things like oh well, you should have some insight into how you grew up. And then if you both knew how hard it was for you to grow up, maybe you'd be kinder to each other. Or, oh, we'll teach you some communication skills and teach you to you know, be nicer to each other in fights. And there were all, everyone was trying, but nothing was really working. And I think the key thing was we didn't really understand um, what love relationships were all about. So we were kind of missing the target, you know, we were kind of bouncing around. And um, what happened was that I started working with couples uh, and became completely, totally fixated, hooked, fascinated, enthralled. I was just, I started taping my couples. I asked their permission, I would taped them and I'd watch the tapes like, you know, 12 times or something and um i started i was a graduate student so i needed a thesis so i started figuring out that some of the things i did you're know, like actually listening to people and helping them state their emotions clearly and helping the other person really get what the other person was feeling and then all of us talking about it so it all made sense so you'd start to see things like the hurt underneath anger right and the shame underneath withdrawal you know people say things like i don't want to talk to you (laughs) they don't say i don't want to talk to you because i'm feeling like a complete failure and i don't think i know how to do it right and i'm so scared you're going to be disappointed they leave that bit out Mm. they just say i don't want to talk to you so we i started doing things that made a difference and i i did my thesis and i was blown away by the effects we were getting. I couldn't understand it. They were huge, okay? I thought, well, there must have been a mistake. So I, I, re- I redid the data analysis three times. And no, they were, there wasn't a mistake, we got them. But I didn't realize until a few months later what it was all about when I started to just realize from my reading that what was happening that was making the difference was that we were, um, and we were creating bonding conversations for these couples. Mm. We were tuning in to what we call attachment needs. Yeah. Which, is, at the time that I was writing, people just talked about mother and child. That was the only place. psychology said. Oh, okay, you know, mother and child. Child needs mother. That's what attachment needs about. Like that finishes. You know, by the time you wean the kid, or certainly by the time the kid's like. 12 right and then new research started to come out at the same time that talked about how we're bonding animals we need safe bonds with one or two people on this planet who will come when we call all through our lives to be healthy and resilient we need it all through our lives that's just who we are yeah that's how our nervous system is wired to 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 feel safe when we know that if we call, we matter to someone, they'll come, they'll mm. respond to us, they'll, they'll you know, soothe us when we're afraid, they'll be there to support us, they have our back. Um, people used to think that this was kind of a weakness, you know, that adults shouldn't need this, that you're supposed to be self-sufficient. The only self-sufficient human being is a dead human being. Okay? <laughs> that We're not wired for that. Huh. and. So the research started to happen and I started to realize, oh, we're creating these incredible bonding conversations and they change everything. That was a long time ago. (laughs) (laughs) And since then, we've done a lot of studies. We've done brain scan studies. We've done, and in lots of different ways, we've created a relationship education program based on my book, Hold Be Tight. Um, and people can go on my website, drsuejohnson.com, and look at me talking about love. And bottom line is, we, EFT is the only approach that is based on a clear scientific understanding about what love relationships are all about. Right. And I think we get the results we do because we're on target. Mm-hmm. We, don't, we say everybody fights, everybody's incompatible <laughs> on some level, right. and everybody's got... Uh, personality differences. The Mm -hmm. issue is how you deal with all that in particular. The issue is whether you can trust each other, emotionally connect and learn how to emotionally support each other. Mm -hmm. This is what makes the difference between a relationship that works and a relationship that doesn't work. It's emotional disconnection that destroys relationships. Mm, Not yes. fighting. Happy couples fight. You know, the difference is um happy couples fight and then they can find a way to turn back and connect again. Mm, yeah, that's huge. Unhappy couples, every time they fight, they just get further apart. Yeah, yeah. And we know so much about relationships that we didn't know when I started in this field, you know, 30 years ago. Really love we've always decided that love is just mysterious you, know, you fall in you fall out and that's changed um you know that's changed we've we've cracked the code mm. love is an ancient wired in survival code designed to keep the people you trust and need close to you mm. i don't know why that isn't all over the new york times i, I just <laughs> it seems to me it's a big deal <laughs> Anyway. Yeah, that's so interesting.
0: And especially, so you're saying that regardless of how you're attached, like how healthy your attachment as a kid, it still continues to be a need that you be emotionally well-received and understood and validated as you grow into adulthood.
1: And that, you can, and that when you are vulnerable, someone will come and help you and support you in that vulnerability. Right. And that doesn't go away. Mm. and that strength this gives us strength mm-hmm. this makes us strong if right. we can use this resource called the caring of another person take it in it all the evidence this isn't an idea this is a scientific fact okay it makes okay. us stronger the strong kid is not the kid who's told don't cry take care of yourself." go and you know if you're scared to go on the slide go do it anyway that kid isn't going to grow up be strong that kid's gonna say people don't care about me and they're going to try and push all their feelings down and they're going to avoid people the strong Mm. kid is the kid whose parent says you can do it you can go down the slide oh you know and if you fall down mommy will be here And then the kid says, hey, the world's manageable, my fear's manageable, hey, Mm -hmm. if I fall off the slide, mommy will pick me up, I think I'll go on the slide. You know, so it's the strongest of us are the ones who can tune in to the incredible strength we get from our togetherness, from our Mm -hmm. attunement. So what we do in EFT is we help people connect positively, know how to respond to each other's vulnerability, help each other out of these fights people get into like the classic one in north america is demand withdraw yeah. you know somebody says you never talk to me why don't you talk to me i don't know why you don't talk to me <laughs> That sounds like critical so the other person feels attacked and the other person says i have no time right now and anyway you nag me all the time and you're so difficult to talk to so i've got to go so the more they shut down and shut the other person out, the more the other person bangs on the door, sure, yeah. and we're off. We're, everyone knows this one. Everyone, everyone knows this one. Yeah. Um, the difference is we know that this emotional, being open emotionally and being able to respond to your partner emotionally is the key defining factor in family relationships. Mm. And that is, can be particularly tricky if you're in a, in this position called stepmom. Mm,
0: yes, definitely. Which is, I was going to ask you actually. Um, so I'm curious how your this approach, I would love to get into the scientific aspect of it a little bit at some point, to, just to hear about how it soothes us to have that respond. But um, how does it help when you're interacting in a family unit? Like if a stepmom is struggling to have positive interactions with her stepkid, or if there's constant fighting with the um, well, with the I, think,
1: I think what's important is for our society and for those of us that are in it to recognise that it's that step parents are in difficult situations. Usually, what they're doing is they're trying to create this secure bond with their partner, mm-hmm. and it's often a new relationship. And people are trying to help each other heal from past relationships, which may not have been very good. So there's a task right there. Right. We're learning how to have a relationship. And I maybe have some hurts that I bring from my other relationships some regrets, right? Yeah. We're learning how to have a relationship. That's a big task. Mm-hmm. And it gets more complicated because you have a child. <laughs> right. And you have this commitment to this child. How do I fit into that? I need to come first with you sometimes. And that's a competing attachment. But the other complication is that very often what happens is the child sees me, the stepmom, as a threat. Mm -hmm. And so then there's all this vulnerability washing. And by the way, I am stepmom, so not talking in the abstract. Okay. I have two children of my own, but I also have an older daughter, my stepchild. Okay. Okay, wow. My husband I didn't even know
0: that. yeah Yeah.
1: so it's a tricky yeah it's a tricky um and you're you're trying to create this bond with your partner and you're also trying to create this bond with a child who oftentimes isn't terribly open to it at least at first yeah sees you as a threat as a stranger Mm -hmm. maybe is caught up in all kinds of feelings about their parents splitting up Mm-hmm. But you know that wasn 't supposed to happen, they still have resentment and fear around that, and so then you come in as the interloper the the person who isn 't supposed to be there you know the right and you could so easily become the bad guy you know yeah. you 're the you know I just want my daddy to talk to me, and i i don 't like you living here, and not only that, but you know I want my mummy back and you know, who are you? Well, I'm actually now the, the person that tells you to eat your breakfast and put your socks on. Right, right. <laughs> so that, there's a lot of balancing. And what we see, different roles, different dilemmas. What we see is the key thing is that partners can talk about this and that you and your partner can support each other. Mm. You can help your f- partner maybe talk about how hard it is for him when his kid says, you know, why did you split up with mommy? And I don't like Mary anyway, <laughs> right? Mm. And why does Mary have, how hard it is for him to deal with that because right. he might feel guilty. He might feel upset, right? He, he feels like he's failed his kid, right? Or something like that. Yeah. Um, he's in a dilemma, and, and you're in the dilemma of having to connect with the kid and still work on the bond with him. So the couple need to be able to talk. Yeah. They need to be able to share this. They need to be able to express their fears and vulnerabilities. They need to be able to support each other. And what I always say to people is, it's a huge transition. It's a difficult time to become a step-parent. And, you know, why not? just um well read my book hold me tight it's cheap on amazon okay it's cheap read the book at least Uh (laughs) um try some of the exercises but why not you know do yourself a favor and if go and see a therapist that you feel comfortable and safe with if you don't feel comfortable and safe leave and find another therapist yeah
0: um
1: that you can just talk about this balancing act this this emotional tightrope, which is called, you know, trying to move into a family that already exists, trying to connect with a kid that maybe is threatened and doesn't want to connect. At the same time, trying to be with your partner, you know, helping your partner deal with the competing attachment. There's a lot of stuff going on. A lot. Yeah, I often yeah, yeah,
0: I often say that being a step parent I think is harder than being a parent in a lot of ways. And being a parent is a biggest big challenge on its own. So, yeah, I definitely think there's so many competing and like you're talking about attachment needs when there's so many competing attachment needs in that scenario, right? And so it's like how does everyone get their needs It's almost impossible for everyone all the time to get all of their needs met.
1: That's right. And and that's only okay if you can talk about it and get support right. and you know that your turn is coming. Right. You know, yeah, And it's one of the things we see in, in therapy is that, you know, um, sometimes the, the person who's the, the, the parent, not the step parent, the one who's, who's got the kids um, really needs support mm-hmm. to be able to talk to their kid, to feel entitled to talk to their kid and mm-hmm. to say to their kid, I understand that it's hard for you to have Mary living here and that some part of you still wants your mom and me to be together, but we're not together. Mm-hmm. And um, what I want you to understand is that sometimes Mary and I are going to be together. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's important that Mary and I, cause Mary and I are married now right. and we we love you and you have a home with us and you're important to us and maybe it's going to take time for you to get to know Mary, but I know she wants to get to know you and love you. But, you know, there's times when I'm going to say to you, I have to be with Mary now. You're, it, the the right. parent who isn't the step-parent sometimes has real trouble feeling entitled to actually draw limits. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, that's true. There's a lot of guilt often. i
1: give you a good example. I worked with a family where... The children, there were three of them, insisted that the father talk French at the dinner table.
0: And the stepmom didn't speak French.
1: That's right. Yeah. And the father felt so guilty about breaking up the family. He just couldn't. He just just Mm. felt like he had to talk French. Well, imagine this stepmom. Imagine she's sit, I mean, talking about exclusion. Yeah. And, you know, they couldn't really talk about it with the kids or with each other. Mm -hmm. He wouldn't talk about it. That couple broke up. Yeah. And then they come to me for help. They got back, right? But it's like, just, I mean, that's classic. It's like, sure. Like literally
0: speaking a different language. Usually, like figuratively, they're speaking a different language. (laughs)
1: This was like the literal, yeah. And then, you know, she got upset and angry and then that didn't work and then she got depressed and that didn't work and then she left.
0: Yeah, 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 of course, right? Yeah. yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So it sounds like communicating and naming the emotions underneath the behavior and people don't always learn to do that in their family of origins, right? They don't learn to be aware of the emotions. They learn that anger is okay, but they don't learn that rejection is okay, right? So they act out anger when really there's rejection.
1: Yes, and, and I think couples don't understand the impact they have on each other. I'll give you a good example. There's a, a research study now um, in the literature, a brain scan, that shows just how sensitive we are we are bonding human beings. Mm. You know, mm. They show just how sensitive we are to signs of rejection on another person's face. And this wasn't even done with partners. This was done with sort of acquaintances, okay? So imagine with partners. What they, what they found was that seeing rejection on another person's face is processed in the same way and the exact same the part of the brain as physical pain. Wow! Because they're both danger cues. They're yeah. both cues that there's some you're a threat to your survival. You're a social animal. You need to belong. You need to connect with people. You know that if you're completely isolated, you're at risk. Mm. Right? Literally, it's dangerous. Dang. So they're both danger cues. So your brain doesn't really distinguish between stepping on a nail and looking at rejection in somebody's face. And if that person is the most important person in the world to you whoa yeah that's huge so people shut down because they're overwhelmed by feelings of i'm failing i'm being rejected i can't do this right my partner's not pleased with me and then the other partner says you're shutting down because you don't care mm-hmm. right and everything goes wrong yeah. We need to understand just how much we need each other, this emotional connection, and how much support we need from each other. You know, they did a big study of newlyweds years ago, and then they looked at where they were 16 years later. And they said, oh, there's only one thing that predicts where people are 16 years later. It's not whether they fight, everybody fights. Mm-hmm. It's not personality differences. You know, it's none of these things. It's not communication skills. It's just one thing. It's emotional responsiveness.
0: Yeah, that's huge, yeah.
1: So this is what matters, and we don't understand the impact we have on each other. You know, that lady at the table with all the people speaking French, she felt completely abandoned by her partner. Right, Completely alone. And her brain
0: probably reacted as if she was being completely abandoned. She would, like, she would die,
1: right, essentially. Yeah, yeah, and and, you know, talk about a message about not belonging,
0: Right, right, and she
1: would ask him. She'd say, "Well, could you please get them to speak some English?" Right, and he just had such a hard time setting that rule with his kids because he felt guilty about. You know, it's, can't you see it? You know, it's like he'd he'd try and then he'd just capitulate. And she'd be sitting there. And then she'd try to learn some French, but her, her French wasn't very good, so she couldn't tune in, and they didn't listen to her. I mean, ouch, 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 Yeah. right? This, people have to be able to be open with each other and share their dilemmas and vulnerabilities and help each other with them. Mm-hmm. This is the key to creating a positive step family.
0: Yeah, yeah. That makes so much sense. And, I always, and part of the reason I wanted to have you on here is because I really do think that the couple is the foundation of the blended family in a lot yes. of ways that there needs to be that respect and that team mentality prioritizing the relationship sometimes over the kids otherwise which doesn't happen a lot of the time right a lot of the time the single dad thinks that he needs to prioritize the kids which is understandable because it's you know it's hard to be a single dad but i think that that's where a lot of things can go wrong is when there isn't the work and the intention and the priority put into the into the relationship well
1: i'm i'm not sure people know how Yeah, they don't know how to do it, you know, and that's hopefully where we can come in and help. But but that's right. The best thing you can do for your kids is to keep your emotional balance. You're not going to be able to do that if you're isolated and don't have someone supporting you. The best thing you can do for your kids is have a positive relationship with a partner and show them that
0: yes absolutely yeah show
1: them that how are they going to know how to have positive relationships you got to show them right right it's you know it's and it's tricky because you know kids um just sometimes let it all hang out so kids can get amazingly angry or amazingly sad right and then one parent feels like oh my goodness i've got to fix this right? right and the other parent says you know, I just create all this havoc here. I'm seen to be the problem and nobody's helping me with my emotions. I mean, you can see right. that it's a setup for disconnection.
0: Right, it definitely is, yeah. So are there any little tips that you could give outside of going to see a therapist? Obviously, there's some couples who definitely need to go through the process, but is there anything that like the stepmoms that I work with, for example, can do on their end to open up a more, like more space for communication in their day-to-day lives with their partners.
1: Everybody wants little tips. <laughs> the fast stuff. Come on. <laughs> it's like people need to be able to dance a tango, but you want little tip. Right. I mean, you know, Little tips don't really help. Listen to each other. That doesn't help because when you can't, you can't. And sometimes it's more useful to say to somebody, I'm overwhelmed right now. I'm feeling so guilty. I can't hear anything you're saying. That's sometimes much more useful than trying to do what you think you're supposed to do, which is to be, you know, say cliches, right? That don't right. work anyway. So <laughs> I would really suggest that you um, get our book, get yeah. home and write, look at it. And the, the key thing is to put your bond first and support each other. And that will give you a safe place to stand to create positive relationships with your children yeah so yeah so kind of in line with
0: that i i am wondering like in my own life i've seen that if i when i dropped the being disrespectful when i started noticing how i was affecting my partner so much i kind of dropped the harshness and the kind of you know just the facial expressions and all that and i really worked on being respectful in my communication with them Interactions with him, and I noticed that that in itself created a more respectful relationship both ways. Because then I didn't get as much defensiveness, and I got much more openness. Right, much more. And safety I think on probably what part. you
1: did, probably what you did was you started to realize how sensitive your partner was to perhaps criticism. Right. The more your partner cares for you, the more sensitive he will be or she will be to criticism. That's mm. the fact. So. It's so tricky, you know, when we're upset and irritated, <laughs> we right. say things and we don't mean to be blaming and put down, but we're upset. Right. So we, instead of saying, I get really a bit, I, I know it sounds funny, but I kind of get scared when you, we don't say that, we say, why don't you? Right, right, you know, totally, and, yes. Yeah, and it's so human. Yeah. But what we teach couples is if you're listening to the music of your dance, if you're listening to it and you understand some of the impact you have on your partner, you can slow the dance down and comment on the dance itself. You can say, what's happening here? We're having one of those nasty fights where it always ends up with me sleeping in the other room. I don't want that. Am I, What's happening Am I, you're kind of shutting me out. Um, Are you hearing me be critical of you? I don't really want to do that. I want to tell you that I'm having a hard time here. You know, to be able to do that, to sort of catch it as it's going wrong. I mean, that's what we see couples do who work with us. And then to be able to reach for each other, you know, and say, um, I don't know what to do when Danny, you know, turns and, tells me this you know i don't know what to do and you're his dad and i don't know i don't know what to do here i need your help you know to reach for each other right um it's a it's a it's a hard it's a hard transition and that's why you get more breakups in step families than in in original
0: yeah
1: um families yeah it's a hard one
0: Yep, there's so many dynamics going on. Yeah. Great. Well, just one last question for you. I'd love to hear what the brain does when we do get responded to. So say we're like in a type of battle that you're talking about where, you know, we're throwing blame and the person's getting defensive or we're not being responded to. And then all of a sudden, like in the video on your website, there's a video where the guy all of a sudden softens and opens and is, becomes responsive to the woman, right? So what happens in our brains when we do get the positive response and we get the validation?
1: Well, there's lots of answers to that. I mean, perhaps two of the most interesting ones would be that, you know, if, you're, if, if your partner suddenly becomes the enemy or a stranger, suddenly becomes a threat, your whole nervous system vibrates with that, and it's stressful, and you're flooded with cortisol. And cortisol's a stress hormone. It's perfectly good. Um, if it's just comes in short bursts to save your life, right? Right,
0: right. If you're running <laughs> but, from a
1: lion, right? Yeah. But if you're flooded with cortisol a lot because you have, you know, one fight every two days and then you remember it for the second day, it has all kinds of negative effects on the way you process information, your emotional balance, uh, your immune system even starts to shut down, right? It has all kinds of negative effects. On the other hand, Um, Oxytocin, which is a bonding hormone, um, we know that all you have to do um, is to think of your partner in a positive way. And your brain gives you this little shot of oxytocin. And what oxytocin does is it calms you down, brings your nervous system back into balance. It talks to your amygdala, the fear part of your brain, and says, there, there. It's okay. You don't have to get ready to defend yourself. You can listen and take in information. It, it, there's even evidence that when people get little shots of oxytocin, they call it the trust hormone or the molecule of monogamy, whatever. Okay, uh-huh. but, um, <laughs> The evidence wow. is that when you get this little burst of oxytocin, you actually get better at reading somebody's facial expression. Ah. Because, and that makes sense to me, because you're not caught up in protecting yourself and defending right. yourself. You know, if I'm protecting myself, it's like I'm, this is here. I just see you through the cracks in my fingers. But if I'm feeling safe and open, and calm, I just yeah. look at your face and tune into it, and then my mirror neurons fire. I can feel what you're feeling in my body, and we are sort of dancing together. So it's very clear evidence now that all this stuff I'm talking about, you know, it's not sentimentality or nice ideas or cliches. This is biology. Yeah, that's This is how we work as human beings. And if we know that, then if we, what we understand we can shape. Mm-hmm. We can shape love relationships now. For yeah. the first time in human history, that's a big deal.
0: Yeah, that's huge. That's amazing. I love that. Thank you so much for explaining all of that. I'm glad I asked that question because I love that idea of the oxytocin and that ability to calm down and really see our partners. And yeah, that's amazing. We're amazing beings, right? It's pretty incredible. Okay, nice to talk to you. Same with you, Dr. Sue. Thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. Bye now. Bye-bye. Hi, everyone. This episode is a re-release from my virtual interview series, Empowering Stepmoms Reimagining the Modern Family. In this episode, I will be interviewing Dr. Sue Johnson. She's the founder of Emotion Focused Couples Therapy. It is a groundbreaking, revolutionary therapy for couples. It is fascinating. She has such good wisdom, and she's actually a stepmom. So we get to hear her perspective on the stepmom experience. This interview is awesome I'm sure you all will love it and you'll be buying her book by the end so enjoy and I'll see you on the other side everyone. Thanks for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to write a review so that more people can find this podcast. Show notes, resources, anything mentioned on the interview, you can find on my website, www.nataliesavelle.com slash podcast. And I will see you next time. Make it a wonderful week.